the love of the game. It flows through our veins and fills our lungs. It brings us to our feet and sometimes our knees. But behind every thrilling point, there is strength and security. The card Blue Cross and Blue Shield of North Carolina members have trusted for over 80 years with the tools and plans to make health care easy. Blue Cross and Blue Shield of North Carolina. Live fearless. Proud supporter of fans across North Carolina. Today is Tuesday, September 12th. You're tuned in to another edition of the HBCU Football Daily Podcast. I'm your host, Donald Ware. On today, I'm going to give you my thoughts on some takeaways from last week's games. We had a chance to kind of really look at some of last week's games and review them and uh, also review our Boxtro, <laughs> excuse me, coaches and media polls. And on today, I'm going to give you uh, a couple of takeaways from this past week's games. First of all, we got to point out the fact that former North Carolina A&T running back Tariq Cohen was absolutely spectacular uh, in uh, the Bears in his first uh, real, not preseason, but it's a non-preseason game, a a regular season game, if you will. In his very first game, um, he was great. He had in excess of 100 multi-purpose yards. He scored a touchdown uh, on a pass, five carries for 66 yards in the game. He also caught uh, eight receptions for 47 yards in the game. So you got to commend this young man. He was a fourth-round pick. The Bears saw it more than anybody else that he could have a, a definite impact on their football team. And if you think about him, he's been an underdog his entire career from when he was at Bunn High School. You know, his, we know his his stature at 5'6", 181, and everybody wants to talk about his stature, but it's been his heart. One scholarship offer, that was to A&T. He came in, uh, you know, he, he wasn't necessarily going to be part of uh, the running game to begin with, even though uh, the coaching staff knew what they had, and he ultimately by, I don't know, maybe fourth, fifth game into the season that rookie year, and it just took off from there, and he improved each and every year at A&T to become the MEAC's all-time leading rusher. Had a chance to see him up close and personal uh, for two years, uh, of course, calling games for A&T. And to be able to think about it, 13 touches in that game. As a rookie, 13 touches in that game as a rookie. Five carries, 66 yards. That is in excess of 13 yards per carry. And then, of course, the receptions and the touchdown. 13 touches in that game is absolutely phenomenal for a guy playing in his very first game. I think the bar continues to go up. The sky is the limit for Tariq Cohen, and he's definitely going to be able to help that Bears team. So definitely got to give a shout-out to him uh, for the work that he was able to put in this weekend is one of my takeaways. Another takeaway is that... HBCU teams against non-HBCU teams were 5-26 and 26 this week. 5-26 and 26 this week. Now, that's definitely not a great record, 
But if you really think about it, when you th- talk about the first couple of games of the season and these non-conference games sometimes, and, and, and really a lot of times these are money games, meaning money games for HBCUs, although we saw where an H- a couple of HBCUs and really most notably A&T gave Mars Hill money to come in. And then, of course, A&T beats Mars Hill 56 to nothing. But I think we're starting to see HBCU football elevated. You had a couple of you had a couple of big wins this weekend. Um, I mean, if you look at two wins specifically, Grambling over Northwestern State, twenty to ten. Then you also look at Bethune Cookman's victory um, over North or, or or excuse me over Southeastern Louisiana. 28 to 23. So those are two really good wins by FCS HBCUs over quality FCS programs that are not HBCUs. And so, yeah, the record may not look that great. Five and 26 this week. It was uh, it was eight. I forget what it was last week. It may have been eight and 17 or eight and 13 or eight and 15, something like that. But eight wins in the opening week against non-HBCUs where some of those games, remember, were money games for FBS pro, or for FCS programs against FBS programs. I, I, I'm starting to see sort of a trend with respect to, the, to some of the programs um, really getting better. I, I look at, in a, a case in point, I mean, I look at the MEAC, and I think the MEAC is going to be so improved this year. You look at A&T's, Big time victory over Gardner Webb. I mean, some may say, well, Gardner Webb didn't, you know, they've only played football for, they haven't been playing FCS football that long, and they were five and six last year. I mean, that was a Gardner Webb team that beat Charleston Southern last year, who was uh, ranked eighth in the country at the time. Uh, Gardner Webb won their last two ball games. A lot of the personnel from last year coming back this year, and for A&T to go there and win 45 to 3. I think even the coaching staff was a little bit uh surprised. They knew they had a good team, but to be able to beat a team that they held in high regard that way speaks volumes. And again, Bethune Cookman's victory, uh 28 to 23 over Southeastern Louisiana. I really think the Miacs going to be very much very much improved on um, this year. And again, um when I look at Grambling <clears throat> to be able to bounce back because you know, I I mean, as we and a lot of us came into the season thinking, saying Grambling, Grambling, number one, Grambling should be number one. They won the Black College National Championship last year. Number one, number one, number one. They got Devontae Kincaid coming back. They got Martez Carter at running back coming back. I mean, that's good. But think about what you lose. You lose Chad Williams at one of your wide receiver positions. You lose a plethora of guys up front, including the SWAC's defensive player of the year last year from the defensive line. You lose um, a couple of linebackers. They lost a lot last year, so it's easy to pick Grambling. But if you really looked a little bit deeper, Grambling had a lot of players to replace. So when you you come out and think, you know, maybe they can beat Tulane, especially the way they played against Arizona last year, you say, okay, maybe they can come out and beat Tulane. But uh, not not only did they lose to Tulane, but they they lost you know pretty heavily 
to Tulane. So to be able to bounce back to make the adjustments, Broderick Fobbs and his staff made some adjustments um, and to play better against, and it's a lesser, it's an FCS opponent this week. But again, to be able to get the victory against Southeastern Louisiana and FCS, uh, I'm sorry, excuse me, Grambling got the, the win against Northwestern State. Um, you know, it, it, it's it's a really big win for Grambling. And again, uh, again, it just shows to me that um, HBCUs are really, um, the talent level is starting to come around um, a, a little bit more. Obviously, back in the day when um, uh, blacks could not go to uh, FBS programs or big-time college school, big-time schools or what have you, the talent level at HBCUs was off the charts. Um, and now it is um, it's still good. And um, so for, again, Grambling to be able to beat Northwestern State, uh, 20 to 10 is good. So those are a couple of takeaways um, that I had. Again, I mentioned a couple of uh, big-time wins um, uh, uh, from last week. Albany State 2-0, Bowie State 2-0. We must say Clark Atlanta. Didn't mention Clark Atlanta. When their big win over Central State, they are 2-0 to start the season. I thought, um, you know, Jonathan McCrary, the quarterback, um, needed to – he has the, the potential to be an elite quarterback in the SIAC and a big win last week another big win this week Clark Atlanta off to the 2 and 0 start. So those are some of my takeaways from week 2 of the HBCU football season uh and on tomorrow uh going to talk more HBCU football and of course our daily pod- podcast is brought to you by Blue Cross Blue Shield of North Carolina. I'll talk with you tomorrow. Yeah. Oh,